happy feast of the baptism of the Lord. So we hear today in Mark's gospel, abbreviated account of Christ's baptism. But if you look in the gospel of Matthew, there's a certain little tidbit that's added that John the Baptist actually protests. He sort of says, I shouldn't be the one baptizing you. You should be the one baptizing me. Jesus, sort of summarizing it a little bit here, says, do this now. This is how it's supposed to be. This is the will of the Father. And so Christ was going to be baptized in public by John, a baptism of repentance, sort of saying that he had some sin to be cleansed from him. This is a very, very potentially embarrassing thing. But the key is Christ did this and was willing to do this as an expression of God's submission to man. God's willingness to obey a human creature. You really see it throughout most of the gospel. Jesus, for 30 years, was obedient to Jesus and Mary. That's all we really know except the story of the finding in the temple. And then, at the end of his life, what do we see? Him obedient to Pilate. He submits to Pilate's unjust wishes and unjust sentence. This idea of a God who becomes man, but a God who submits himself and is obedient to man is something you do not see in ancient religions. I just finished listening to the Iliad and the Odyssey. The, the, the heroes there in no way, shape, or form submit the gods, the capricious gods, no way submit to these figures. The people are sort of at the, 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 the behest of their whims and whatever's going to happen to them. And so this, this Christ becoming obedient to man, God becoming obedient, is an expression of something we call kenosis. K-E-N-O-S-I-S, the Greek word which means self-emptying. That God is willing to empty himself enough, A, to become man, and B, to become submissive and obedient to man in the person of Christ. And so all of this obedience, this self-emptying, the self-gift, is an expression of his ultimate obedience, Christ's ultimate obedience to the Heavenly Father. So through our baptism, if we're baptized in Christ and we live in Christ, the spirit of Christ is a spirit of filial sonship, daughtership, filial obedience to God and to legitimate authority on earth. This is something we as humans tend to have a struggle with. Kids have a hard time obeying the legitimate authority of the parents when they are growing up. I surely know I did. But also, as Catholics, we have the legitimate authority of the church and the magisterium of the church, the teaching authority of the church. Christ is instituted in order to give us truth, to give us some security in our faith and in our moral teaching. And so we as Catholics owe what Vatican II calls religious submission of the mind and will. But this has not been one of the high points of Catholics' faith over the course of the past 40 to 50 years. In the late 60s, early 70s, an outright rebellion against the church's teaching on contraception and humani vitae, which is extended 
throughout the history of the church over the course of the past several years of Catholics saying, I disagree, I will not obey. And then now, even though I fully understand that Pope Francis is not the clearest in his teaching and can seem somewhat ambiguous, a revolt against his authority as the successor of Peter. This is not filial obedience. But also secular authority. Scripture is quite clear. Paul talks about obeying legitimate authority, to have respect for it. Could Jesus be any clearer when he says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar? That was an unjust tax. But Jesus still said that we ought to pay it and render it to Caesar. And this is an issue within the church and outside of the church that we as I think Americans have, both on the left and the right. There's no willing to compromise, no willing to try to understand deeper truth. And what's happened, as we've seen on both sides, it has turned to unreasonable violence. Now, we have to be very, very careful, though, in this desire to be obedient and to potentially live out our religious faith and live out our, our, our existence as Americans, to not be hypocrites. It's very easy for us as Catholics who tend to be critics of Marxism. Marxism which talks about the class struggle, the proletariat rising up to overthrow the bourgeoisie. All this talk of revolt. Be very, very careful that you don't let that Marxist ideology seep into what you believe. That my group is going to overthrow the other group because the other group is unjust in the way it reigns over us. That can very well end up being tied into Marxist ideology, a revolution against the ruling class. But also, we have to be very, very careful when it comes to hypocrisy about freedom. We can criticize certain individuals, certain secular worldviews for seeing liberty and freedom as autonomy. No rules, there's no natural law. I can do what I want with my body as I want. But this idea that somehow we're not going to let a government, unjust or just, restrict any of our freedoms, that is also seeing freedom as autonomy. We're being a hypocrite. I'm not going to have, I have my rights. I'm not going to let you tell me what I can and can't do. That's also seeing freedom as autonomy. It's two sides of the same coin. It simply doesn't work. But you can ask, Father, what about when we are faced as individuals, as a nation, as a community, with real or even perceived injustice in the church or in sort of government and sexual, sec, uh, sex, secular authority? What do we do? Well, I'm telling you right now, and I said it this summer, we are not called to blind obedience. As Catholics and Christians, we need to think, we need to be critical all the time, sometimes potentially even suspicious. We need to be thinking individuals, but we need to evaluate the situation and realize that there are certain times that we do need to take a stand. If you think I'm not, I'm saying that we should sit back and just kowtow to whatever happens, go listen to all my homilies over the summer. We have a right, regardless of where you stand on things, to be able to take a stand on what we believe. But the key, I think, for us as Christians and us as Catholics is no matter how we perceive the situation and what we think we ought to do, it ought to be informed by that spirit of Christ, the spirit of 
filial obedience to God and to legitimate authority. Why? Because only when we do that, and I can tell you from experience, when we draw from that deep inner power, amidst the chaos, can we experience inner peace. The hurricane is going on around us, but we are centered in the eye of the hurricane where there's peace, Christ's peace, the peace that comes from filial obedience and living in the spirit of Christ. So where do we find it? Where do we tap into that peace? Where do we tap into that filial obedience? And the truth is, it's only in prayer. I've said it a zillion times, not saying prayers, but actually praying, being with Christ, particularly in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and allowing him to fill us with his grace, to transform us, and to fill us with his peace. And I saw and I've seen over the course of the past nine or ten months with the coronavirus and the pandemic, lots of people lose their peace. A significant increase in anxiety. And a lot of people's faith and prayer life has completely dropped off. Maybe it started strong at the beginning, but it's basically non-existence now. But there's something else that I've witnessed. And I've witnessed it over the course of the past nine months in a way that I have not witnessed it in my time here, at least at Wisdom. A movement, particularly amongst young people, college students and young adults, with a deep desire for contemplative prayer, silent prayer, encountering Christ in the mystery of the Eucharist, hours upon hours spent in the church in adoration. The students today beat down my door to have adoration. They want to pray. They want to come to encounter Christ. And as a result, what I've seen amongst them is a real sense of peace. That no matter what happens in their future, no matter what is going on now, somehow the Lord has it taken care of. And why? Why do they have that peace? Because through their prayer, their encounter with Christ, he leads them to the Father, as we see in today's gospel, fills them with the Spirit, and gives them a sense of their identity as beloved sons and daughters. There's an experience, a real experience in prayer, and then able to see it outside of prayer of how the Father loves them. And so an individual who really prays, who really prays, not just giving lip service to God, is secure for the most part of the time in their identity as beloved sons and daughters. Exactly what the Father says about Jesus in the gospel. Not just beloved sons and daughters, but sons and daughters that no matter how weak they are, no matter how much they sin, he still loves them and is pleased with them, with their effort to pray, with their effort for ongoing conversion and response to the Spirit. And so as a result, if we know Christ, if we experience the Father's love, if we know who we are, then we have a great trust that the Lord's going to take care of it. A great trust in God's providence and mercy. But also what I've seen, and this is sort of what made me want to talk about this today besides other events in our world, I've seen in them a sense of filial obedience. Questions that I saw early on in my priesthood or in my life that people kicked against, they don't do it at all. They're critical. They look at the world. They understand things. 
but they are conformed to Christ's obedience and obedience to the Father and a desire to do God's will, to accept reality as it is and the peace that flows from it. And so I have learned a lot over the course of the past few months from the young people, and it's the same thing that I encourage you all to consider as a message of hope, that as we look with all the chaos going on in the world and, and fear, potentially, anxiety about what is coming for the nation in the future, chaos, disorder seems to reign. But I assure you, and others have noticed it too, that there is the undercurrent, maybe just a little stream under the land of water of deeply prayerful and obedient Christians and Catholics who know their identity. And God willing, in some way, that spiritual energy that is collect, connect, collecting, maybe not now, maybe in the future, will spread forth and lead to a true spiritual revolution in the church and in the world. Amen.